We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully the justice that was ultimately delivered. Ooh, Don Palumbo. Jonah Lando. That, that intro just gets me every time. I know. I'm I'm beginning to hold my breath again during it. Yeah. Which, which is don't how that started, but I just breathe. I know, just breathe. Don't it's hold weird. your breath. I know. It's, it's You're gonna pass out up here on stage one of these times that <laughs> That would be weird. That it would be a moment. It would, it would be, be memorable. Be, well, I guess gotta get on the score sheet somehow, right? Right. Yeah. So thank you to everyone being with us here this evening. We are coming at you live from Icon Events in Sioux Falls. And we could not be more excited. This is our second time here, and we have a couple of two timers in the in the audience, and a lot of first timers. So it's it's really cool. Two timers, first timers, and hopefully someday in the future, all timers. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We we appreciate all of you here with us tonight. And can I ask someone in the house? Can we, can we dim the lights just a little bit more? We're telling a scary story here. Not Disney on ice. Let's get the lit. No, hey, well, we're telling a true story, but <laughs> yes. you know, like no, it's not a yeah. scary story, right. but it's a, yeah. yeah. If we could just get yeah. a little more, thank you. Appreciate Thanks. the house Simon. on that. Simon's the best. Simon's yes. the man. Um, but we we really do appreciate all of you, including Simon, um, here at the Icon, and of course those of you that are with us, and those of you that are listening wherever you're listening. Yeah. So uh, thank you to also to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We are so very, very grateful for the comments, the feedback, even the, the shitty comments. Uh, we take it to heart. We, we definitely, we definitely self-evaluate. Yeah, we, we take a few punches every once in a while in the reviews. That's for sure. That just means people are listening. And, uh, and of course, more than anything, the support that we receive from our listeners. We really, really do appreciate it. So Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest murder? Hey, it means a lot. Reviews, they're motivating, self-reflecting, all that good stuff. And I think it helps other people decide if they want to give us a shot. Well, and and it helps us move up the trending charts, too. Which we've, we've been yep, there. It absolutely. Does. Yeah. Don't, don't one, say it can. It does. It can. It does. It did. It, does. it happened. It, it was real in the past. This one's from Munchkinland58701. Why do I laugh during a murder podcast? My favorite episode, 65. Not for the murder story, because that was a sad one, but seriously, the Anastasia comment couldn't stop laughing. Now, every time I hear either word, it's going to make me chuckle. Sounds like perfect t-shirt material. I, I actually like that. For those of you who have never um, or don't quite get what the Anastasia comment is, uh, the uh, my, my good friend to the right here. I had a very day. human slip up with a word. Um, one time Lost during an episode, listener. we we were we were talking about, or he was mentioning anesthesia. You know the 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 happy juice that puts you under a little bit. 
Yes, and he pronounced it, mispronounced it as Anastasia, like Not the name. Not because I thought it was pronounced that way. I'm just, I'm flowing, I'm going. We, we read millions of words a year, and that one came out, Anastasia, instead of anesthesia, and someone listening was like, fuck you. Yeah, they were, and they, they were never done. wanted they to listen done. to Midwest murder again, again because of my very normal human error of someone that reads millions of damn words a year. Yeah. So not, was, not bitter about losing that one <laughs> at all. It was pretty freaking funny. Guys. It, it was. It's, funny. And it's still funny. To but this it happens. Because I was like towards the beginning. You know, this I was, was somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. It was, so, oh, yeah. Towards the beginning of our of of Midwest murder episodes. Yeah. 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 This next one is from Jasmine is lit. I like it. Five stars. And I said I did the T because there's like seven T's right. on the name. So that was intentional. <laughs> he didn't. He's quite not quite that cool. It's OK. <laughs> no. Obsession worth it. I found Midwest Murder by accident when I was looking up North Dakota on Spotify because I have a weird obsession with the state. Okay. Oh, you know what? We'll address that at the end. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll address that in therapy, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I've been hooked ever since. Even my boyfriend, who typically tolerates my true crime podcasts, actually loves this one and asks to listen to the latest episode all the time. I've been binge listening for a solid two weeks now, and it's the best. If I could rate 10 stars, I would. Because of this podcast, my boyfriend and I are willing to drive 16 hours to Minot to check out their sponsored gas station. And it's a truck stop too, by the way. Um, and go to a live show. Okay. So just um, make sure you get the ranch. I feel like we should buy them lunch, right? <laughs> right? Like if they if they if show up. If you make up, a like, sixteen-hour <laughs> drive to Minot, we're buying you lunch, a beer, and we're gonna send you home with some to-go ranch from Shots Crossroads, our sponsor. You're getting some ranch, that. okay? I was just gonna say that. Yeah, and, and maybe just maybe we're going somewhere closer than Minot to you. So uh, maybe I mean maybe just, there's like a you know, six the to eight-hour drive somewhere. So and and we'll bring the ranch. Yeah, we will. But I I <laughs> do I, a, a weird obsession with the state, honestly. I would agree. I think it is a weird obsession. It is, um, and yes, I've made this joke before, but it is better on top in North Dakota. But, and I'm saying that in, thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm saying that in South Dakota. So just reminding you of the audience. They're going to, I'll show myself out at this point. I think, I think, I think they're going to start, you know. That's what makes the joke good. What, what is, what? That we're in South Dakota. Oh. Yeah. Sure. That would be I a guess. lot less, it would be less good in like you, Texas. You know what makes the joke not good is having to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my apologies. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Midwest Memoirs. The stories of your family deserve to be heard. Midwest Memoirs captures your living generation stories, jokes, and even tall tales. Because the most important story you'll ever hear is a story of your family. We've done it with our own and think it's something everyone deserves. Keeping in mind that every family dynamic is different, we sit down with the voice that you never want to forget. We interview our guest, who is your family member, or even you, for a professionally recorded conversation so that your story is never forgotten long after your family may be um, maybe gone. Yeah, look, Midwest Memoirs is an opportunity for you to get the audio story version of your family history as told by the people you love managed and produced by professionals. It's a really phenomenal experience. And I think that every family should have it to know that like your grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads, greatest stories can be heard by someone in your family in 30, 40, 50 years. That's what we're doing with Midwest memoirs. And I think it's really special. 
It is. It is very special. And it uh, it's probably the one thing in life that is making me emotional. So it's great. All right. So I, apparently at the beginning of Midwest Murder, 1993 was a, was a year that we revisited a lot. Yeah. I think, a lot of stories um, in 93. It was, yeah. It was, there were, I mean, I could actually recite some of the, the, the big happenings in 93 just because of that. And I think 2016 is actually becoming um, that for me again, because okay. here I am again within just a couple of episodes. So you better have found some new stuff to tell people about that happened in 2016. I did not. Tom Palum- oh, so you're not, not doing your homework. Dawn, I don't do my homework Palumbo. That's what we call her in the business. No, that is actually not what we call me. And now I'm just adding that to the list. Now it's, now it's going to be like a, what was, what was Hulk's move? I guess he probably didn't pile drive and he probably didn't power bomb, but I don't know. I'm just going to. The atomic leg drop. The leg drop. uh, There it is. The atomic leg drop. That was the move. Yeah. With the. He did like a clothesline, a body slam and a leg drop. And he put his hand to his ear. Those were his four moves. Yeah. 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 I was going to say a bad word. I'm not going to. It's ripped his okay. shirt. Maybe a fifth move. I don't know. Um, also, fun fact. I did that at Halloween. I ripped my shirt. It was pretty cool. Anyway. Okay. So in 2016, 2016. Brexit rocked Europe with the, uh, w- with the whole first world feeling its effects. And I probably use that exact wording um, from two episodes ago, but nobody will notice and call me out on it. I'm sure it's fine. One of the most horrific mass shootings happened in Orlando at Pulse Nightclub, where 49 people were killed. And then if you include the shooter, it is 15. The Summer Olympics kicked off in Rio de Janeiro, and a lot of celebrities died that year in uh, David Bowie, Prince, Leonard Cohen, George Michael, Carrie Fisher, Gene Wilder, Alan Rickman, Alan Thicke, Muhammad Ali. And because I feel like it never gets enough play, Hamilton kicked ass on Broadway, and it's my favorite, favorite musical to date. It's a good one. And it won, it won, it won 11 Tony Awards. 11 Tonys. And poor Jonah gets stuck listening to that when I'm driving us home late at night and I'm trying to stay awake. He is so kind and puts the entire soundtrack on for me. The entire soundtrack? The entire one. Don can sing it word for word? I can and perform. If you want to see her like perform that, it's, there's yeah. a whole, there's a separate ticket cost. Thank you. Okay, yeah. It's a separate uh, ticket cost for that. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'll let oh, that one, I'll let I'm, that one be free. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you want a real post-show experience. Right. Uh, and then, in, in because this does carry over to 2018, two years later, I wanted to add some new information in there. Fair. Yeah. Prince Harry, so I did do my homework, but thanks. Um, Prince Harry married Meghan Markle, and, be, and she became the Duchess of Sussex. A, in this weekend, actually from when we're recording it, Prince Charles is crowned king. It's his coronation this weekend. I know, I heard a boo and I agree. I do. Uh, a few months later, uh, they then announced that they were pregnant with their first child. The Golden State Killer was arrested after 32 years. Oof. Crime writer and author Michelle McNamara, Patton Oswalt's wife, uh, was a major player in that person's apprehension. And I'm not saying his name because he doesn't deserve it. It uh, gives me chills. But that oh. was, if you haven't had a chance to watch that documentary, it's like a seven, eight part documentary on HBO Max, do so. It was, it was really, really good. And the Winter Olympics were held in South Korea, and uh, more celebrities died. And sadly, this year, it was so many by suicide. Uh, Mac Miller, Avicii, Aretha Franklin. Not all of these were no, by suicide. No, 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 just a few. Year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aretha Franklin, thanks for the clarification, actually. Uh, Stan Lee. Uh, that one hurt me so bad. I'm such a nerd. Oh, and I know. 
Stan Lee did so much more for bringing awareness to like civil rights and social causes than mm-hmm. people will ever give mm-hmm. him. Than he'll, than mm-hmm. a lot of people will ever know right. through the comics. Anyways, a yep. big nerd. And Dolores that one, that from the Cranberries, Vern Troyer, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, Stephen Hawking, Burt Reynolds, Jerry Van Dyke. It was a big year. It was a big year in 2018. So if you have been to the rural parts of the Eastern Midwest, you have seen the Rust Belt. The Rust Belt isn't exclusive to the Midwest, though. It stretches from Michigan to New York and from Missouri back to West Virginia. And that expansive area was dominated by blue-collar jobs in manufacturing, autos included, steel production, mining, especially coal. I, I mean, for reference, the steel curtain from the 70s. Yeah, of course, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers team. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the Terry Bradshaw area, that era, that was, there was a reason for that. It was a steel curtain. So... By the 70s, though, deindustrialization caused a decline in nearly all corners of those industrial jobs, leaving factories to be left just strictly to nature. Just, just to be overtaken. Yeah. And because of that, those abandoned factories caused an increase in rust runoff, and then they're getting, get, therefore getting the nickname the Rust Belt. Yeah. What was once a region of an abundance of jobs, the, that deindustrialization caused a major economic decline, which then meant less C-suite or high-earning positions, and of course, higher poverty. The village of Piketon, Ohio, which is located in the county of Piketon, was no different. It just took a little longer for the decline. In 2005, that area was part of a uranium enrichment technology development. That's as far as I know about that. I don't know what they did. <laughs> so the, the plan was to have commercial uranium enrichment planned by 2012. But in 2015, the Department of Energy stopped that project, and therefore another economic decline happened. By the mid-2010s, over 15% of families in Piketon lived in poverty. And of course, you can't always pick your family, right? And you have even less of a choice in picking your significant other family, other's family. In the small village of Piketon, Ohio, the population is 2,162 and considered relatively safe. So safe that you have a 1 in 2,162 chance of being the victim of violent crime. Oh, boy. That's pretty, pretty good odds. It pretty, I mean, yeah. Compare that to a 1 in 297 chance in this entire state of Ohio, it seems like it would be worth the risk. Sure. Safe yeah. place. Yeah. On the morning of April 22nd, 2016, a scene was discovered in Piketon County that was so grisly it would be known as the most infamous case in Ohio history. That's in this decade, within the last decade. Which oh, I'm already yeah. getting chills over here. <sighs> there's and there's no there's no chance to catch your breath because I'm I'm jumping right in. Okay, there's another disclaimer. Um, so Chris Roden Senior asked his former sister-in-law, Bobby Joe Manley, with whom he was so close, his, his ex-wife, uh, to check in on his house on April 22nd. And just to clarify, that was his former sister-in-law, but he was, he was so close with the family and his sister-in-law okay. and, his, and his wife. Ex-sister-in-law, ex-wife. can you mm-hmm. check on my house? Right. Okay. In fact, she did that for him the majority of the weekdays. Every week, a few times a week, she went over and, uh, and, and took care of the dogs and chickens. After getting her then 15-year-old daughter on the school bus by 7 a.m., she arrived at his mobile home on Union Hill Road. With her that morning was a friend and his wife, and they waited in the car. 
When she walked up the steps, things were different than normal. The door was locked, and the two pit bulls that were normally inside the mobile home were outside on the front porch. Walking into the home, there was blood all over the living room and drag marks in blood leading to the back bedroom. She followed them and walked back to Chris Roden's bedroom, where a window was wide open. And on the floor was Chris's 38-year-old cousin, Gary, who was staying with him at the time, dead on the floor. Also in the room was 40-year-old Chris, also deceased. She called 911 at 7.49 a.m. Frantically, she told the 911 operator, quote, there's blood all over the house. It looks like someone beat the hell out of him. Then a little while later, still on the call, quote, I think my brother-in-law is dead. On the same property and in a mobile home just down from Chris lived one of Chris's sons, Clarence, who they called Frankie, and so that's how I refer to him, Frankie Roden, along with his family, fiance Hannah Gilly, both 20, and Frankie's son with another woman, two-year-old Brentley, and the couple's six-month-old son, Ruger. Bobby Joe ran next door to alert the young family. Oddly, the door was also locked. She pounded on the door, yelling for anyone to let Aunt Joe in. It was two-year-old Brentley who opened the door for his great-aunt. When she asked Brentley where his daddy was, he pointed to the bedroom. In the bedroom, her eyes immediately went to the bloodbath on the bed. Frankie was laying on his back. Hannah was laying on her right side. Between the two murdered parents was their six-month-old baby on his hands and knees, covered in their blood. Ruger was safe and frighteningly calm. The window in the room was open, just like at his dad's house. Bobby Joe leaned over the body of her nephew to pick up the baby. She put Ruger in a blanket and then her sweatshirt on Brentley, then fled the home. Bobby Joe later told the Cincinnati Inquirer in an exclusive interview, quote, I was not leaving those babies in there. All I wanted was to get those babies out of there. Thank God they didn't take those babies too. That scene of seeing a six-month-old child bathed in the blood of its parents between their corpses is one of the most horrific things I've ever heard. Bobby Joe was convinced, this was in the interview as well, Bobby Joe was convinced that Ruger was nursing at the time of the murder. Of his mom getting killed. So hearing of the trouble, Bobby Joe's brother James went to their sister Dana's house. So James and Bobby Joe, brother and sister, Dana, the mother of of Frankie and ex-wife to Chris Sr. There are a lot of names and I don't have a flowchart behind me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like explain. So if I if I if I explain it a few times, that's I just want to make it clear. Okay. So Dana is the sister of Bobby Joe, the one who saved the children and found the bodies. Their brother James went to Dana's house, which was just north of the first two crime scenes, but on the same property. James, not hearing any movement, went to his sister's bedroom. Thinking she was still sleeping, he tried to pull the pillow off of her face, but when the pillow wouldn't lift, he immediately realized she was dead. Oh my God. He then fled the trailer. This is a third location with someone else? This is a third location. Holy. Outside of the 
mobile home, he heard the cries of a young infant, but could not bring himself to walk back in. Also found in the home was Dana and Chris's, Chris Sr.'s 16-year-old son, Chris. He was also known as Little Chris. Down the hall, their 19-year-old daughter, Hannah, was found also dead. Her five-day-old newborn daughter was unharmed, lying next to her. Jesus. Later that morning, a rodent cousin, Donald Stone, drove a few miles southeast of the Union Hill Road property and found the final victim of the rodent family. Chris Sr.'s brother, Kenneth, was in his mobile home. Donald called 911 and told the operator, quote, I just found my, my cousin with a gunshot wound. That's location four. That's and, location four. Oh, my goodness. News of this uh, type of massacre obviously travels quickly, and the Piketon County Sheriff's Department said to the public, quote, there are many crime scenes, there are many bodies. And to be, uh, we're, we're, to, we're, to in be, our, we're in over our heads here to, right away. To be specific, there were four crime scenes and eight bodies and three children found thankfully unharmed and not just children we're talking you know two babies babies and a toddler babies right? orphans now the autopsy results showed all of the victims were shot at close range at the first crime scene chris senior was shot nine times in the head torso and upper extremity cousin gary was shot three times in the head at the second crime scene, 20-year-old Frankie was shot three times in the head. His fiancée was shot five times in the face and head. The third crime scene, Chris Sr.'s ex-wife and mother of his children, Dana, was shot five times in the head and neck. Their 19-year-old daughter, Hannah, was shot twice in the head. Her younger brother, 16-year-old Chris Jr., or again, little Chris, was shot four times, twice of those through the top of the head. The fourth and final crime scene, Chris Sr.'s brother, Kenneth, was shot in the right eye. Investigators called it a pre-planned crime, execution style. Yeah, everybody, numerous shots to the head. I mean, it doesn't seem like there was a, a struggle. I'm not hearing anything of a struggle. Sounds like an ambush, very sudden. You didn't see it coming. And gosh, man, that image of that baby, I just keep seeing its face and the baby's eyes opening, the only part of it not in blood. It just, that image is horrific. When I was watching, and this is, this is kind of a side note, when I was watching the court testimony, the, the one who found, um, the one, the, no. Ruger, the baby. Yes. But like, they, they were asked to describe, like, well, what do you mean covered in blood? Right. And like, I mean, obviously in a court, you need to, you know, clarify because, you know, yeah, um, we dipped him like and, Achilles and, by his heel. I mean, right, what do you like, think? And how do you right, think it happened? Right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they obviously have to ask those questions right? I know, because I know, someone's I know. version you, of covered you, in blood might be different than, you know, another person. The details matter. But, oof. So on April 24th, just two days after the victims were originally found, Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine addressed the media and the public. Fun fact, he's now the governor. Currently. About halfway through this case and now currently. Wow. Yeah. At three of the four crime scenes, investigators had found what appeared to be marijuana grow operations. Authorities and, of course, the community thought the murders could have been a professional hit or potential drug cartel business gone wrong. 
Investigators had already completed five search warrants at that point, but remained tight-lipped as to where they were actually executed. Do you know how elaborate these grow operations are? Because they never really went into it. Okay, and, and we were like, we were right on the on the cusp of it starting to be passed in sure. states and stuff like that. So, I mean, well, I'm just you're looking at a handful of trailers, and, and just you can't get hyper profitable from just growing a few marijuana plants in your right. house. You know, like like in other cases we've seen where drugs were involved, it was very obvious the the amount of money that was on the line, right? So for yeah. me to to think like, okay, it's the drug cartel or a professional hit. I, I don't think so. This I don't, is, I don't think a few marijuana plants are, are getting the attention of the cartel. Give me a break. I don't know. My opinion, my take on it from what I, you know, listening to court testimony and stuff like that, I think it was more than just a few. Okay. But so they had an I elaborate mean, grow operation potentially. I feel like elaborate is too dramatic, but like somewhere in the middle. Okay. You know, enough, enough for, seasoned law enforcement agents to think okay this is more this is more than just personal use dude i've seen seasoned law enforcement agents post a picture of like eight grams of cannabis like they just busted el chapo on facebook so fair i'm gonna gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here i think it was a reach at best to say that it was a cartel involvement we can definitely agree there because i honestly don't <laughs> like, know if on. it was like you know three plants or you know this a million i have i can't i can't billion say billion dollar cartel operation <laughs> right. ramrodding some some trailer park folks in their in their cannabis no, no, operation no 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 no, 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 no. it was not a mobile home park it okay. is it was on a it was on a it was property remote and location were, yes, yeah. yes okay fair so by mid may still having very little information to go on four vehicles belonging to the victims as well as all four mobile homes were impounded and then brought to the command center for the investigation. That's how big this was. They had a command center because I mean, we're, we're talking, I mean, they had no idea what they were dealing with at this point. Well, it, it, it not to knock, um, this, this small, where are we at in Ohio again? Ohio. 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. Not to knock them, but look, at 2,100 people, the Python County Sheriff's Department, not equipped for a, a nine-person homicide? Well, and even in, when, yeah, and you're dealing a lot with state police at that point too, but, um, but also like the, you know, in the county itself, in Python County, I want to say it's like 23,000 or 25,000. So still not a lot. Right. Not a lot. Yeah. We need, they need help. Yeah. By the spring of 2017, so now a year later, investigators had received nearly 800 tips and conducted more than 400 interviews. After all of that, there still had not been any suspects publicly named. Wow. Okay. So suspects probably named publicly not. You can decide later. Uh, So just after the first anniversary of the deaths, murders, they weren't just deaths, they were murders. Executions, yeah. Executions, yeah. Investigators wanted to talk to another family that lived in the community or, you know, relatively close. Chris Sr. and Dana's 19-year-old daughter, Hannah, had a daughter from a previous relationship with Jake Wagner. The night of the murders, Sophia was with her father. So luckily, she wasn't there. The Wagner family were not named as suspects, but investigators still wanted to talk to them. You know, obviously there's a connection. You're going to want to chat. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. By May of 2017, state and local law enforcement had searched the Wagner farm. It was a 71-acre farm in Peebles, Ohio, and it had just been sold the month prior. 
in March of 2017. Meanwhile, the Wagner family was preparing for a move to Alaska. I feel like you couldn't get further away from Ohio, but you're going to Alaska. Like, once you pick the Yukon Territory at that point. But according to Jake Wagner, quote, really the point to moving up here was to basically get into a better environment so they wouldn't talk about us. Sophia is getting older, so she wouldn't hear it. So with rumors swirling through the community, I'm, I'm just picking up from Jake Wagner's statement here. People were perhaps suspicious of them or didn't like them or there's something deeper there. Well, there's always the court of public opinion, of right? Of course. Well, and, and especially and, in a really small community. And even even Sophia, not going to be easy to face a future in which you're going to school and your classmates know that your family was horrifically killed. Right. Like, it's yeah. not a comfortable situation. Yep. I mean, maybe move a county over. Uh, I, I don't know. I think... Pick I, up and I, go to the corner of Alaska. I think you got to get a couple states out. I would want to get the hell out of there. Alaska's probably a good move. I know I'm nitpicking, but it's like Alaska, really? I mean, well, they probably can't afford Hawaii, okay? Okay. I Did I say Hawaii? Like, no, but... Who, like, who can afford Hawaii? The locals can't afford Hawaii. <laughs> right. Tourists, evidently. <laughs> so by mid-April 2020, the investiga- investigation... That is apparently a hard word. Investigation team. Just lost a listener right there. Probably. Just right because there. I just stumbled over my words. Out, hanging out with Anastasia, lady. <laughs> The investigation team was comprised of two BCI agents and a Piketon County investigator. That investigation team announced that the Wagner family was officially named as suspects, and Pike County Prosecutor Rob Junk said investigators were focused on their role in the slaying. Pretty pretty wild, I guess. So he's announcing them publicly as suspects. No arrests have mm-hmm. been made in this is now almost four. This is four years since mm-hmm. the murders. That is a massive investigation. So, uh, this is what it's a sprawling investigation. Th- this is what I, I like. You had this rural community, right, who didn't lock their doors, and they had no idea. They had no idea who was on the loose. They murdered eight people in four different locations, and and the community obviously changed after that. I mean, it would be weird if it didn't. Okay. But it, I mean. And that's what they were that's what they were dealing with. So at the end of October 2020, the investigate oh my gosh, what is wrong with that fucking word? It's a tough one. That's a tough <laughs> anyway, one. Anyway, the investigation team said, I think that's the last time I have to say that, uh, said that they had collected the last piece of the puzzle. And that last piece was the physical evidence, and it was now in their possession, and they were going to continue continue to examine the evidence to move forward with the case. So just two weeks later, in November, the sheriff of Pike County said, today, said, quote, today we have the answer. Members of one family conspired, planned, carried out, and allegedly covered up their violent act to wipe out members of another family. On November 13th, four members of the Wagner family were arrested in connection with the murders of the eight victims in the Roden family. Angela Wagner and you guys, these names, they don't stop. So I'll, I'll reiterate them a couple times. Angela Wagner and her husband, George, who went by Billy, so we will refer to him as Billy. Wagner, who he was George the Third, 
uh, along with their two children, George Wagner IV and Edward Wagner, who went by the name Jake. Okay. Because so George is Billy be, and Edward is Jake. Confusing. Like I was, I was elbow deep in this case before I realized all these names. I was like, this is like I had to, I had to color coordinate like victims with crime scenes. I, I mean, because yeah, we've got we've got Edward, which turns into Jake. So Jake, that's how we'll refer to him. And then his dad Billy, his mom Angela, and his brother George, who I'm going to call George the Fourth. Okay, okay, so George Wagner the fourth, not the grand. Yeah, he wouldn't be the grandpa. He'd be younger than. No, because okay, three yeah. comes before yeah, four. Yeah, of course, this is Midwest murder, not Midwest math. Okay, I'm not doing your Roman numerals here. <laughs> Spell it out or something. So the family, those four members of that family, were charged with aggravated murder, punishable punishable by the death penalty, plus multiple other charges. Okay, so we have a family of four, one of which is the uh, a baby daddy of the family who has been murdered. The, f- and the it, father of, of one of the children. Victims, yeah. Han- Hannah's no, ex, the, right? the father of a child with one yeah. of the victims. Yeah, Hannah. Well, these the, people, the, the daughter Hannah, because there's two Hannahs. They carried I out... I should have... I, you know what, you guys? I probably should have put this on a board just for you in, in the audience. For the first time ever, we, we need a whiteboard for we, a Midwest really murder episode. We really, we really do. Yeah. This is a family of four that worked together and murdered a eight. family of eight. Eight. In four locations. In four different locations. <sighs> wow. And also, can I mean, where does Jake come from? Like, was it his middle name, Jacob? And it just, and he went by Jake. Did he not like the name Eddie? I mean, anyway. And then Billy. George Wagner the third, and you call him Billy. Yeah, probably. Probably thought he was a Billy badass. I'm gonna start calling you Jimmy, because no. I, <laughs> I joke and I say that his middle name is James, and his mom actually gets really mad at me, but I call him Jonah James, yeah. and so I'm gonna start calling him Jimmy, just because. So I should talk their name enough, their names enough, I guess. So it wasn't long, and there were two. It gets better. There were two other. Members of their family arrested. Of the Wagner. Of the Wagner okay. family. Rita Newcomb, which is Angela's mother, she was charged with three counts of forgery pertaining to custody documents. Frederica Wagner, the mother of Billy, George III, and the grandmother to his children was charged with perjury and obstructing justice. Holy shit. So even the grandma was involved in this? The two grandmas on both <sighs> sides. So you got three generations of family that work together to wipe out another family. Do I, do I have that two, correct? Two generations of another family. Oh, yeah. I thought you said yeah. grandma, so, so, no, kid, so, no, 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 next no. kid. Three generations of one family wiped out gener- two generations of another family. Yeah. That is that is sickening. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So former attorney general and at this point now Governor Mike DeWine said, quote, we have no evidence anyone else was involved. So they are like, it's solid. The investigation continued, of course, and this is 2020. And on the five-year anniversary of that massacre, Jake Wagner pled guilty to eight counts of aggravated murder, telling the court, quote, I am guilty, Your Honor. In his statement, he admitted to killing five of the victims and shooting a sixth. Part of the plea deal that the court accepted would completely rock his family and the community. 
but he agreed to testify in the cases against his mom, dad, and older brother if the death penalty was removed from his sentencing as well as their cases. I, 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 this is sick. But wait, there's more. Oh. <clears throat> Later that year, in September 2021, the mother, Angela Wagner, and her attorney arranged for a plea bargain. Just as with her youngest child, she would be required to testify against her son and her husband. Everybody's testifying against everybody now. Everyone's rolling on everybody. Absolutely. They're all going to jail forever. Like, no matter what you do, you're going to jail forever. You helped kill eight people. So, and I should go back to uh, the grandmas. So, Rita Newcomb. They just did the paperwork for the murder. They didn't actually pull any triggers is what I'm gathering from them. Right. Yeah. 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 Basically. Uh, I'm mean, seriously. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm hearing there. They, yeah, we did some paperwork, ran some numbers. They killed the people. I mean, it's awful and horrific. But yeah, the grandmas didn't commit well, acts of violence, but they're very complicit. I feel like you just took the rest of the story from. Oh, me. Sh- okay. I'm sorry, no, I'm John Palumbo. No, no, Shit. but but Grandma Wagner. I did my homework too. <laughs> Not really. Not I don't, really. I don't know Actually, the story. I guess it's that predictable. Um, <laughs> Grandma Wagner, though, um, her charges were eventually dropped. Grandma Newcomb pled guilty to the forgery. So Grandma Newcomb's OG. Grandma Mm -hmm. Wagner's a narc. No, Grandma Wagner Wagner was, her charges were thrown out. Okay. Yeah, so like that was just we're not we're not pursuing this. Okay. We have bigger fish to fry, and you, you obstructed a little justice. You're fine. You paper pushers, crazy you don't old get lady. jail time. I don't think she was a paper pusher. I think she was more of a absolutely please hide the evidence on my property. Yeah. Okay. That's, not, I mean that's yeah, that's, that's what that's what grandma was grandmas would do, you know? Not my, my gra- grandma. My grandma would. I, Gra- mean, I, I feel like your grandma told me. My grandma much. would. Oh, my grandma would just don't tell me what's Mm-mm. back there. Mm-mm. You can bury it. Just don't tell me what's back there. Oh, that's my no, grandma. No, my grandma, love you, Grandma Helen. My, I love you too, Grandma Helen. My grandma would um, call would, the cops on you. She would She'd call be the, the narc. My grandma's would, the OG. Your grandma's the narc. My grandma would would first go to church, then call the cops, <laughs> then 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 dig up whatever I buried, and and then she's like, nope, yep, she did it, and I'm saying a prayer for her every single day. Like that's what she would do. That's what she, that's what my grandma would do. Grandma Zelda, oh, big shout man. out. Yeah, big yeah. shout out. You, the, you know, shout one time, out to grandmas everywhere. One time to this is this is Grandma Zelda. Um, she. Her, her name is Zelda. Absolutely. 100%. And she threatened, as sweet as that lady is, uh, she threatened everybody with bodily harm if they use the word or the name Zelda in any of our children's names. She's like, don't you dare. Um, but Grandma Zelda, one time I was probably 19 or, you know, I, I bet I was, I was 21. Um, she like publicly shamed me. Um, she hung my, as a 21 year old, okay, she hung my underwear on the line outside. <laughs> and let me tell you, they weren't granny panties, okay? And I get home and I'm like, they weren't your whole Colgan underwear like, either. I'm huh? like pulling them off the thing, like, nobody saw these, right? Oh no, my grandma saw them and she was just at dinner that day at 4 p.m. She's like, mm hmm, yeah, just judging me. So anyway, Grandma Zelda, she would throw me to the fire for sure. Anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> so, um, at this point, I don't think it's any surprise that the Billy Wagner family lived differently than most families. 
Right. I'm curious to know more. Because the, you know, the family that murders together stays together, apparently, until someone needs a plea deal. I mean, what does that planning session look like amongst them? It's so twisted for me. Like, how does the idea even you, get brought like, up? Did you, I swear, I, you guys, I shared this with him at 6.55. There's no way he read this. Stop taking, just wait. <laughs> it's just a normal, it's, okay, yeah, just yeah. keep going. <laughs> so... According to Angela's later testimony, their family did not trust law enforcement or the justice system. And in the past, together, they had set fire to two homes, a semi-truck, and a garage, and then also crashed George IV's pickup, all for insurance money. Holy shit. So from arson family to murder family. Yeah. Ugh. They shoplifted more than anyone probably knew and... They, too, had a marijuana grow operation. To what level, I don't know. They didn't specify, okay? I want to know the levels. I don't have the levels. They didn't, they didn't release that in the court documents. Um, the ex-wife of George IV later testified that Angela, the mother, was not as innocent as she pretended to be. The ex-wife testified that Angela once threatened her with a gun, and, of course, Angela didn't deny it. She said, quote, I thought it would snap her out of it. Snap her out of what? The reason, the reason for the gun threat, Angela thought her ex-daughter-in-law was poisoning the family food. Specifically, George IV's favorite drink, cherry Kool-Aid. <laughs> of, co- of course these people are drinking Kool-Aid. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just seems so fitting for this whole situation. They're drinking Kool-Aid. Maybe it only could have been better if you said Tang. No, but you know what, though? At this point, like at this point what popped into my head is on... Um, on National Lampoon's vacation when Cousin Vicky is stirring the Kool-Aid with her arm. <laughs> right? right? God, that's, that's how theirs is getting served. That's what, in fa- that's in what fact, popped they, they into they my head. In fact, they scoop up the sugar with their hand, plunge their hand into the pitcher, I don't think there was stir. sugar in that. Yeah, and then, and then uh, you, you know, can't of course... Drink. Of course. You cannot drink Kool-Aid with no sugar. Please. I don't know why they... And Cousin Eddie, quote, like, this is where my mind went, was, was the... Uh, then, you know, I don't know why they call it hamburger helper. It does just fine on its own. So I feel like that's that's what's happening here. But oh man! Yeah. So more than a year would pass before the first Wagner would go to trial because now two down, two to go. The oldest Wagner child, George Wagner the fourth, his trial began August 29th, two thousand twenty-two. So not even a year ago. Yeah. He pled guilty, not guilty, excuse me, he pled not guilty to eight counts of aggravated murder and 14 other counts. Okay, it's a bold move. The most damning testimonies came from George IV's mother and his brother. At this point... You said mother and brother? Brother, yeah, okay. mother and brother, yep. So Jake, the yep. random Edward Jake. At this point, motive for the murders had only been hinted at. There had been rumors, of course, that circled saying that Jake Wagner was absolutely obsessed with getting custody of his daughter, Sophia, his daughter with Hannah Roden. And that was half true. According to Angela, her son, Jake, was convinced his daughter was being sexually abused when she was with her mother. Quote, she would be in a grouchy mood. She didn't want to be alone when she came home from Hannah's. At one point, they witnessed Sophia putting things in her diaper, then said, quote, uh, Sophia said, quote, Chris put stuff in there for bubble gum. And it was unclear if it was Chris Sr. or little Chris. Okay, and re- please remind me, Sophia is how old? At this point, I think three. 
Three years three of years? toddler. Three, yeah. So yeah, she's a toddler for sure. A, a toddler. Talking toddler. So a toddler. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toddler. Yep. So they're, they're, they believe that the toddler is being sexually abused yes. at the other house. That is allegedly what they're saying here. This and is, a, this is what they had to go on was that she would be in a grouchy mood and she didn't want to be alone. Okay. And then of course, you know, then she said, Chris put stuff in there for bubble gum. I mean, I don't want to say anything to undermine the potential that there might have no, been abuse no, there, no, but I mean, no, shit, no, no, dude. No, no, I've got three kids. Let me tell you, three-year-olds no. and grouchy, it's not uncommon, yeah, you know? I, right. Um, well, there's that. Happens too. a yeah. lot, but... I don't want to undermine that because, I I mean, what did I think, what did I say to you on the on the way here? Yeah. I said, we always have to trust the victim. Of course. This is this is similar, but... I mean, and I guess it, it, is a, it, would, it is a strange thing for a three-year-old to say, you know, this old man, Chris or, Senior, or, or little Chris, whatever, or 16-year-old Chris, put stuff yeah. in my diaper for bubble gum. Right. What the hell does that mean? Three-year-olds say a lot of weird shit. Do you immediately, is that, oh, you well, immediately jump into the pervy stuff? I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like we, I feel like we do. And I, I think with good reason, you with, know. But possibly with some of but these it, families here, a lot of weird things yeah. going on. But I mean, I, I saw, I saw a reel yesterday on Instagram where this, this toddler had, I'm not exaggerating when I say like 40 you know, plastic balls in her, um, in her, uh, in her onesie. Right. So, I mean, toddlers do weird shit, yeah. right? Like they're little tiny drunk humans, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, I mean, they are. so it's, does this mean sexual abuse? It's, it's tough. Was there, I, I don't, I don't, we I don't, wouldn't know of course, I, if even no, if there was, I, I no, don't imagine because no. that would have been buried in the medical documents and she being a well, minor, but oh, oh, it's a big oh, leap. No, 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 no. I think it's a big oh, leap. To do, make. You, do you mean medical, medical documents? Really? Yeah. Hmm. Angela didn't know why they didn't seek medical attention on the stand. Angela was asked if she thought it would be a good idea to seek medical attention for the three-year-old that the might three-year-old. be getting sexually abused. And she said, I don't know why we didn't. It probably would have been a good idea. Oh, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe the murder leap was a big one. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Angela said that they also didn't go to law enforcement because they distrusted them so much. Well, and I mean, marijuana grow up. So, yeah, I mean, a doctor a doctor is not the law enforcement, though. Right. Right. They're, they're not. I mean... And then at that point, that's when the rest of the family agreed that something had to be done. Jake Wagner's original plan was to kill only Hannah, the mother of his child. But Billy, who was described as, quote, aggressive and volatile, said the rodents would retaliate. According to Angela, Billy said, quote, they'll know and then they come for Jake. They'd shoot him if not all of us. This, the, the the leap in logic here is so insane. I, there isn't me. any logic. No, it, right? It, it, it's so insane. They're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make a blood feud. Well, we can't leave anybody alive. We'll have to kill everybody. It's we're very Hatfields and McCoy, right? Like, like this, like yeah. It's, yeah. This, yeah. This this is this is not like the Middle Ages, okay? We're you know, it's not the 12th century. We're shit not here. fighting like for this, land. I right. mean, it's not. It's. Yeah. So when asked if she was shocked at her husband's suggestion that the family should be murdered, even though she had been described by other witnesses as, quote, controlling, conniving, and demanding, she said, yes, but I let him make the decision. I feel like murdering eight people, I mean, 
I don't know. I think that's when you stand up. But I also feel like this, this weird bond in this family goes way deeper than anybody could ever, ever, ever figure out or relate to. Yeah. There's a long, seems like a long twisted history. I think probably these, these juveniles have a very warped sense of, of truth and, and reality having been raised. Mm-hmm in a life of crime and pop manipulation and, and manipulation, lies and mistrust and, and, and a lot of distrust. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of distrust for So it. it yeah, it's, yeah. you're growing up in a very, 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 very peculiar situation. When Billy became the dad, when Billy became convinced of the potential sexual abuse, he then took charge. Angela was told to buy a cell phone jammer, a bug detector and cheap shoes to be used the night of the murders don't know why there was a bug detector honestly like i went through everything it feels like very, for a wire feels, right for, feels, like a bug for a wire if there was a wire in there like a bug like the place was bugged you oh don palumbo oh bro <laughs> oh shit <laughs> what'd you think did they get a bug zapper too <laughs> yeah I couldn't make that up. Well, I watch a oh lot of documentaries. Gosh. Oh my gosh. I like all the drug dealer documentaries a lot. So, you know, and like the bug detector, you know, for a, if the place is tapped, bugged. You guys. Yeah. In They're all of They're not bug this. bombing it for spiders and shit. Well, and they don't detect the bugs. They kill the bugs. Yeah. I don't know why I had bug yeah. zapper in my head. You guys, I am not this dumb. A plus. Like, a plus moment, Don Palumbo. I wish, I wish that people like listening to this when this is record, when this is released, I wish they could see how red my face is right now. Like, I think someone took a picture in that moment. Oh man, I classic, classic Don Palumbo. Okay, so now we know. I feel like I feel like you saw the realization on my face, and I couldn't even I couldn't even play that one off. And I'm a bullshitter, (laughs) you guys. I couldn't even play that one off. Oh. All right. Anyway, let's just... I'm, I'm going to ask him to edit that out because he wouldn't. No, it's too good. Wouldn't. I wouldn't. So Angela was told to buy a cell phone jammer, a bug detector, not a bug zapper, and some cheap shoes to be used the night of the murders. Do you want to just take over the rest? Do you want to just read the rest? I feel like I'm going to go hide in the car. Anyway, <laughs> she, she then... She then created and forged documents that said Jake Wagner would be given custody if Hannah Roden died. Oh, God, that was always going to work, that one. A second document was created for George IV to have sole custody of his son, Bullvine, if something similar were to happen. I'm sorry, Bullvine? (laughs) They make the leap from Edward to Jake and then And from Billy to Bullvine. Bullvine. So... Wow. I'm not going to name shame. I've just never heard of it. No, I had actually never heard of it either. So, um, although, but I also just thought that a bug detector was a bug zapper. So, whatever, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, the third document created. Don stated, thought Bullvine was part animal. No, he's all human. Oh, actually, no. I, I, you know, I'm going to call you a fucker today. <laughs> Him. <laughs> I, oh, I said, I made, I made the comment the other day, we were in the studio, and I said, I, I, was, I, I gave very little details, but I said, this kid's name is Bullvine, and he's like, isn't that like livestock related? 
And I was like, no, that's bovine. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Oh, oh, but you guys don't laugh at that one. Cool. <laughs> Fine. I see how it is. That's great. Anyway, let's move on. Um, the, I'm kidding, actually, but please make fun of him for something. The, um, so the third document created, stated Angela would receive, the mother would receive custody of her grandchildren if both of her sons died. Okay. So, Same. you know, it's, it's honestly, it's, I mean, it's great estate planning, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, they've, they've established a, a really right. cohesive line of custody through what would, court what, documents that will entirely not be noticed by any official no. person that ever sees no. them. And, and what would make it better, I think, is, um, is maybe if they were legal. But other than just that, the, the logic yeah. here, who the hell are you giving these documents to in the aftermath of they eight were, murders? Like what? Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, look at these court documents I just so happen to have. Like, it's right. so stupid. Right. And asked about them. She said, Angela said, quote, I just wanted to make sure that Sophia and Bolivine could stay together. Very sweet. Yes. According to her testimony on the night of the murders, Angela was to stay home with her grandchildren, Sophia and Bolivine. She was to lock the door and also text her son's friend, so it appeared that they were home. Then the three Wagner men left. When they arrived back home the next morning, Angela said that she didn't ask who was killed or how. She said, quote, on the stand, I just want to know, I just didn't want to know the details. That same morning, the family was sternly instructed by Billy to not talk about the murders while in the house but he turned on the TV to listen to the various news channels to see what would, would come up. During her time on the stand, she was asked how it felt when, her, when she found out her son Jake had taken a plea deal. She said, quote, horrible. I felt like my heart was ripped out that day. One of the last things she said on the stand was referring to her granddaughter Sophia, quote, I have regret. I have remorse. I'm more than sorry, but that's not enough. She was a baby and she was my family. How about the rest of the people? Like, just misplaced grief and remorse here. It's just, it's, it's weird. When Jake took the stand against his brother, his story seemed to match his mother's and also fill in the blanks. When he originally pitched the idea to the family about the murders, he said about his brother, quote, I had to talk mom and George into it. George didn't like the idea whatsoever. Yeah, this well, is do the you think so? worst fucking I mean, pitch meeting ever. He claimed George eventually agreed to participate in the murder spree because, quote, he was thinking dad was trying to set me up. George, the fourth defense attorney, clarified that, quote, George went with you to protect you from your father. And Jake confirmed. That's the whole reason why George, the fourth, the brother, participate, par participated. So what actually happened that night? According to Jake, George IV was supposed to shoot the eldest Christopher Roden Sr. with an SKS semi-automatic rifle. But once ready to go and in position, George IV did not fire. Jake said, quote, I told him to shoot, but he didn't. So Jake took the SKS and, quote, panicked, pointed to Roden's midsection, and just started shooting randomly. His father, Billy, shot the fatal shot. Exiting the home of Chris Roden Sr., his father appeared, quote, very nervous, quote, in a panic attack. I told him he had to calm down. It was too late to break down. Jake testified that he shot and killed Frankie Roden and his fiancée, Hannah Gilly, at the second scene. Billy came into the home shortly after the two were shot and then fired shots into Frankie, even though he was dead. 
George IV did not enter that scene. And Jake entered through an open window. His father and brother entered the third crime scene, but he was the one that shot Dana. Jake. Jake was the one that shot Dana, Hannah, and Chris Jr., or little Chris. They entered through the front door, and Jake shot little Chris while he was sleeping in bed. Going down the hall to Dana's bedroom, when he got to her room, she was still awake and scrolling on her phone. When he got to Hannah's room, she woke up just before he shot her. He then went back to Dana's room, shot her again, then went back to Hannah's room, shot her again, and then repositioned her because she'd slipped from her bed. He was concerned that she wouldn't be discovered for a while, and he wanted the five-day-old infant to be able to breastfeed. Oh, dear God. Quote, it may, may, not, it may not make sense, but I was concerned Kylie would starve to death. Billy and George IV waited in the kitchen and living room areas while he did that. Billy drove to the fourth and final crime scene, George waiting nearby in a different vehicle. Billy walked in, and then Jake saw the flash of the shot, and then Billy came back to the waiting vehicle. And mind you, this is, this is the brother who had nothing to do with it. If I had to guess, he was probably the, one of the four crime scenes that didn't have a grow operation. Would be my guess, but who knows? I, I, that, that is purely guessing. Like possibly like, like the one brother who's trying to maybe live a good life. Well, I don't even, uh, I'm not even going to go that far. I have no idea, but like, what the hell? Like, it just seems super random. On the stand, he claimed to still love Hannah Roden, but he had, quote, no other choice but to kill her or kill Hannah. He thought she was dating men who would, in his words, molest Sophia. His original idea was to kill Hannah and her then, boy, her then boyfriend, Corey Holdren, and make it look as though it were a murder-suicide. His dad disagreed and said the rodents would come after them like, quote, snipers on a hill. On the stand, Jake admitted to confronting Hannah. He said, quote, what if your carelessness leads to my daughter being molested? Hannah responded, quote, we'll have to deal with it. They had other evidence on George IV. Not only did they have purchases that um, showed homemade silencers, a, a random charge uh, for what they what appeared to have been the cell phone jammer. I mean, they had sure. they had twenty nine purchases that seemed suspicious. That seemed uh, correlated to the that could, that, actions of murder. Yeah, yep. The other evidence that they had on George the Fourth, the family was followed on a trip to Alaska, and their vehicle was also bugged or recorded. Wow, that's quite the stakeout. I know. Following yeah. the family yeah. to Alaska. Yeah. They thought the route would go through North Dakota, and so investigators, if I'm understanding this this report correctly, investigators went, they were going through the, the North Dakota, like the maybe portal border or something up there, and no, they didn't. And so the Air Force supposedly sent them, investigators, over to Montana. Okay. Yeah. So on that trip, George IV was heard saying to his son, who was approximately five years old, Bolvine, quote, the people at the border who talk to you in Sudsy, and that's what they called Sophia, because why not another nickname? Let's let's A lot let's of nicknames. Do it. May as well call her Jill. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. 
The people at the border who talk to you in Sudsy, they want to kill your Uncle Jake. They want to kill your inaudible. They want to kill your papa and me for no reason because they are bad people. They want us all to die and they will take you away and give you to bad people. Don't listen to what they tell you. They're liars. This is to a five-year-old. Yeah. The, and he's talking about border patrol? The border patrol agents that talked to them, yeah. Wow. The defense disagreed with what the prosecution had laid out at this point, which, duh, of course they would. Um, they had originally claimed that George IV was at home during the murders, but as the trial progressed and all of these testimonies came out, they stopped bringing attention to that and stopped saying it. They continued to claim that George IV wasn't aware that Billy, Angela, and Jake killed the Roden family, but they also believed that law enforcement was framing them. When it came to the so-called damning testimony of his mother and brother, George IV's attorney said, quote, they've got nothing other than the word of a lying brother and their mother. He, went as, he even went as far as saying those testimonies shouldn't be believed because they're, quote, liars, con artists, and thieves. Oh, well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, he's the, no. I mean that's... No, definitely not. He isn't wrong. wrong. And mm -mm. sure, they might be lying, but you definitely still killed these people one way or the other. Right. After 13 weeks, the jury of nine women and three men went to deliberation. After only seven and a half hours, George IV was found guilty on 22 different charges. He was sentenced to eight consecutive life sentences plus an additional 121 years. George III, or Billy, has yet to go to trial, and that trial isn't scheduled to start until early 2024 simply because they're awaiting the transcripts from George IV's trial. Gosh. They don't believe the transcripts will be ready until September of 2023 because they're expected to be 12 to 15,000 pages. Can you imagine the poor soul that has to type that shit? Oh, man. Like, yeah. Um, Jake cannot be sentenced until both trials are completed. Angela Wagner, um, I believe, is also part of that, but I did see some conflicting things that said she was sentenced to 30 years. Um, so that might be her plea, plea deal, but... Um, I think when it's accepted. So this is so fucked up, fucking warped. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's so bizarre. And all of these people are liars and scumbags that did these murders. They're all lying. Then they, then they did these murders together and then they all start trying to turn on each other and someone's going to get out of it. I guess the grandmas get away, but this well, is the, the, the grandma Newcomb, she, she did have to serve a little time, but then she got out of it because she was able to prove that she didn't actually sign the documents. It's yeah. just, yeah. We, we've said, we've said before, Hey, divorce is easier than murder. So is a custody battle. So is a custody battle. Jeez Louise. And like if this you is... suspect sexual abuse of your children for the love of all that is holy, take them, sit, take them to a doctor. I yeah. mean, I, I can, I can appreciate the will to want to do violence against somebody For who sure. did that to your child. I, I can, I, yeah. like, I understand that as a parent, but yeah. this, this, wow. Yeah. And I, I wanted to go more into the psychological side of things, like more on the Wagner side of the family or that family, because, you know, you've got these, you know, the, the family that murders together stays together until they don't. Right. I mean, it's, it's easily, they easily turn on each other. I, I don't it, know. They it's, really, they, yes, they really did turn on each other quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
So from they, what I can gather, they, again, they were they were raised in an environment of distrust and of blaming others yeah, and of manipulating yeah. and of lying and accusing. Probably it was anything that's ever happened to these people, I'm guessing, was somebody else's fault. None of it could have possibly been by their own doing. And I mean, through this this mentality of drugs and violence and mistrust of formal systems that manage a civilized society, they developed these very, very psychologically undermined children who were capable of concocting this insane plan based around a simple theory of molestation. I still think that I feel like there's something deeper there. I don't know money that the drugs that they are involved in all of this. I don't know that that, like really like uh, I think maybe my daughter was molested or that you might allow my daughter to be molested. Now I'm going to get my family together and we're going to kill all eight members of your family, all the adults in your family. It's just, it's such an insane leap. Unlike, maybe unlike anything I've ever seen yeah. that we've covered on yeah. Midwest Murder, Don, right. yeah, this, this, this is one, messed up. This one messed with me a little bit. And there's, there's one thing I, I did have to like leave some, some things out. Otherwise I think we'd be here for another hour, but there's to, to speak to Jake's character Jake was married to a woman named Elizabeth Armour. And in 2018, in July 2018, at that point, of course, they were under surveillance because I think law enforcement, I mean, they thought that they were suspects long before they ever gave into it, right? Right. And uh, agents, you know, keeping all of these people under surveillance, including his wife at the time, Elizabeth Armour, agents actually saw her escape from the family in Walmart in July, 2018, she slipped out a side door and got into her dad's waiting car. They then drove to a rest stop where Elizabeth called her husband, Jake, and said that she'd left him. So there was a pattern. There was a, that is chilling. There's a, there's a pattern. If you have to escape from, I mean, and like they, they saw them, they saw the family looking for her, right? Like if you have to escape in Walmart, what the fuck is going on? I'm sorry about the F word, but you guys like that's needed there. The level of effort that had to go into this investigation for it to play out over four right. years before somebody right. was arrested to get it right. That's a lot. One of the other things, too, is um, the. Dana's the, the mom, the, the mother who was murdered. Her mobile home that was on that same property was actually in a different county. Oh, for wow. Okay. Right. So you've got like multi-county yeah. things too, because this shit can't get weirder. Right. Like, I mean, can you imagine the, the investigators going between there and, and just a, as a point of interest here, the, the, the items that were suspicious, there were 29, um, to include flashlights, drill bits, plug taps, plus additional parts and tools to make homemade weapon suppressors. 20 bags of concrete mix, which according to prosecutors, the Wagners had submerged the broken weapons parts in cement and then tossed in a pond on grab on Wagner's property. Oh, yeah. So my, did oh they gosh, find my, the murder weapons or no, no? No, not, not that I saw, not that I saw. I, that I've never heard of that particular effort in terms of like getting rid of a weapon that yeah. that's a new one. I mean, Makes sense. You drop it, you put it in concrete and just drop it on the property or drop it. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And the, it, it, there's, there's just, there's just so much. Um, Rita Newcomb, Grandma Newcomb, you know, in December 19, she, December 2019, she took a plea deal 
and pled guilty to misdemeanor charges of obstructing official business. The five other felonies were dismissed. The reason she came forward was, quote, it isn't a good Christian thing to lie. I couldn't live with it anymore. Oh. Okay, we're doing the Christian thing in the end. Yeah. Never too late. Never too late. Jailhouse jailhouse Jesus, man. You find Jailhouse Jesus and there you go. Jailhouse Jesus is just as welcome in this house as baby Jesus. That's right. And it was originally suspected that this is where I was, I think I talked about this earlier, but it was originally suspected that she had signed the custody agreement and admitted to it. She really hadn't. It was just, she was asked by her own daughter to say that it was her. Like this, this whole thing is so terrible, but them stupid ass custody agreements are just the dumbest ass thing. You killed eight people and you've got fabricated court documents. What the hell do you come on? Like the whole thing is bad, but that just, that is so stupid. It irritates me. Like I'm so pissed about these fake court documents and this, this terrible murders, but like, what are you doing with these documents in the end? I would, I would like to take this one step further. After the Wagner family was arrested, they were not going to just stop at the Roden family. According to the special prosecutor, what? Angela um, Canepa, Canepa, I'm, it's C-A-N-E-P-A, uh, quote, they were to take revenge against anyone who went against them, including, but nom- not limited to, Special Agent Shiver, Sheriff Reader, and Attorney General Mike DeWine. Wow. There were also discussion of how they would try to make an escape. Of course there was. Yeah. So they had a hit list of oh, the agents were that were working yeah. their case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They were ready. Uh, because I just, I can't imagine how much worse it can get. Uh, resources for today, insider.com, Investopedia, U.S. Census, USA Today, the Columbus Dispatch, uh, the final autopsy reports from the Ohio Attorney General, WKRC, WLWT, and multiple uh, articles from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Wow. That's a lot. Um, I don't even know what our closing things are. <laughs> that was just, I, it's, you guys, this is one of those cases that, it, this is one that's going to stick with me for a while. I just, I just cannot wrap my brain around it. It's, it, it, like you can't, you can't make this up. Uh, be sure to check out our merch store. If you're here in the audience tonight, we do have merch, a fresh, lovely order of merch in the back there. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on whichever platform you find us, Midwest Murder, on. And a big thank you to everyone who has. It does amazing things. Like I said earlier, it does put us on the charts. It uh, It's great, and, and it helps us um, you know, self Subscribing is caring. Yeah, it is. And Midwest Murder is hosted by Joan Lanto and Don Palumbo and produced by the Good Talk Network. This episode was written by myself, Don Palumbo, and uh, I'll try and say my name one more time. Um, thank you for so much for listening and for your support. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, Sue Falls. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>